Good afternoon. Welcome back to the pod. My name's Sadie. And my name's Mar. And this is the podcast where we are reading books so that you don't have to. And if you can't tell, I am congested. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is the podcast healing where Sadie, Sadie gets sick. <laughs> this is a podcast, the one where Sadie gets sick. No, I am recovering from a cold, so if I sound a little bit funky, mm. that's what it is. Okay. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want the judgment. <laughs> I have, I'm not contagious. It's fine. Through um, the mic? <laughs> I think you get it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get, well, some people think that way. Some people are like, oh, if you hear sickness or if they, they really think they're like, I don't want to, I don't want any of that. I want to get yeah. sick or anything. Um, but this week we are reading a great book. A great book. It's an excellent read. And I've been waiting for a great book. Yes, because after the last two episodes, <laughs> uh, this one is more has more substance to yes, it. Yes, it does. It's a little bit more uh deep. Yeah. It has some good ideas, good themes. Mm-hmm. It's no Ali Wong. It's no <laughs> <laughs> But we're confident you'll love it. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so this book is entitled Lessons in Chemistry. It's written by Bonnie Garmus, which mm. I honestly, I didn't look her up too much, but Garmus sounds like Irish or something. Mm. She's Irish. Know, she's <laughs> Irish. <laughs> she's like and, the complete opposite. Yeah, she's like, not at all. <laughs> um, and so it's called Lessons in Chemistry. And you picked this one, right? I did pick this yes. one. Yes. Why did you pick it? What did you like about it? Or what were you excited about? Yeah. So, I mean, just we talk about this all the time. I don't read. Oh, I do. I read every week. <laughs> For this part, I'm a reader. I didn't accept that new identity yes, part of me. I'm you a are a reader. reader. Yes. I'm a reader. Shut off the old, bring on the new. Okay, I'm a reader. And so I was just basically going through the book app on my phone. And that's just proves that you're a reader when Love you got it. the book app. You Love know? it. Because um, I used to delete it. So- but anyways, I was going through the book app and I saw this and it was like one of like the top rated ones right now. And so like right now, this is like hot. Like I even like was on my library app and they have like 66 copies of this and they were all out. 66 copies of the audiobook all out. That is insane. So crazy. So I didn't really none see. of you better have listened to this before yeah. we talked about it. <laughs> and if you have, leave your comments on below. Yeah, if you have, keep listening because we might have a hot take. Yeah, we might have a hot take. But yeah, so I was just, I, I'm going to be honest. Like it seemed, the description seemed like really good, but this book was also a little different than I thought it was going to be. Okay. I feel like a lot of them are different than you thought because this one I'd heard about actually, it was one of the best or most quote unquote notable books of 2022. Mm. And this is my my issue is I that actually turned me off of it because I mm. when people or when books are extremely popular, like in just with people like people in general, yeah. I get a little wary of it. And then the cover of it looks very much like a rom-com. It's like mm. hot pink and it's like this girl, like a blonde chick with her hair up or whatever. Okay. And so I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if that's going to be my vibe. Yeah, I didn't read the description of it at all. And I was, I could not have been more wrong. It is so good. (laughs) It is so good. But also, did you know that Apple TV is releasing a TV show? What? Of this book. What? This year. Sorry, Joel. (laughs) I slammed my phone down. What? It's going to be so good. Guess who's starring in it? Stop. Brie Larson. Okay. Everybody, wait a second. Wait a second. There, and it's a star-studded cast. Like, there's a lot of really famous actors and actresses going to be in this If show. you guys do this show wrong. I know. I will be very upset Livid. about it. Livid. Because the book is excellent. 
excellent. It's so good. But yeah, I'm so excited. So we have to, we're going to have to watch that when it comes out and maybe do a little. A little real, a little, little reaction. Yeah, a little bonus episode review. Mm-hmm. Wait, I love that. But yeah, I'm so excited. I didn't, I learned that today when I was looking up some research Yeah, because one of the last books that we read, the last thing he told me, that's coming out with a movie too. I think it already came yep. out. Yep, yep. Dang. But yeah, so Mark, tell us a little bit of what this book is about. How does it start? How do, how do we get kicked off into our lessons yes. in chemistry? So in lessons in chemistry, y'all, which first of all, it's got stuff to do with chemistry, it but really it was not as deep as I thought it was. So we start off with a woman named Elizabeth Zott. Is that how you said it? I said, yeah, Zott. Yeah, Zott. It's just so like such a random last name. It's a strong name. It is. Easy Elizabeth Zott. Okay. It, it starts off um, actually 10 years earlier than when the majority of the book is taking place. So you find her, you see, you notice that she's an older woman at this middle age, right? Yeah. Yeah, middle age. Um, and she happens to be working for this TV show and it's called supper at six and what she did is she would plan meals and she would do meals but in a chemistry setting and but that's just kind of who she was so i don't so she just kind of taught about the nutrition of food but in a very real way that kind of wasn't accepted um for the times on that they were in which by the way um is around it starts off in 1960s in the 1960s but the the majority of it is in the 1950s and i realized too that was actually just before the second um feminist movement like the second wave of feminist movement was so before that it was like women were trying to just achieve basic rights of Mm. voting and different things this second wave of feminism happened in the 1960s so this would have been as she's um so she kind of would have been yeah as when, when she's in the show and a little bit older on the cooking show that would have been just starting that second wave mm-hmm. of feminism but that was more about like achieving familial rights like achieving opportunities outside the home like yeah. Uh, sexual expression there was a lot of things like in that second wave of feminism Mm. that she kind of embodies so i thought that was really interesting i think she obviously purposely wrote it in that in between time because i think elizabeth seems to be like one of those front runners in yeah that so it's so crazy if she was even in like if this was like real she probably would have been one of the main people that people would have talked about oh yeah absolutely like doing this so it starts off there where she she's at home basically and she's Kind of just wondering. She's got a child. It's introduced off. Her name is Madeline in the beginning. <clears throat> and it just kind of introduced of how she's kind of tired, right? She's tired at the end of her day. And it goes, there's a sentence that she's like, well, how, how did my life get here? And then she said, well, I can tell you how. Calvin Evans. And then it takes us back 10 years. And y'all, I just want to say this right now. We are a fan of Calvin Evans. We are a big fan. We love Calvin Evans. And so basically it goes back 10 years earlier in January of 1952. And just before we kind of get into that, I just want to give you guys a description, an actual clip from the book of how they describe Calvin. So that way you can just have this in your head. So the book says he was six feet, four inches tall. Very specific. By Very way. specific. Wait, six feet, four? Yeah. Okay, because honestly, anytime a guy's like, I'm 5'12", or I'm six foot, exactly. I'm like, yeah. no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're short. So he is like being very specific because he's like, no, I'm legitimately over six foot. Six You foot better believe four. it. Which you would have to be because people are like, no, there's definitely extra four inches yeah. above that six foot. Because that's so tall. It is tall. It is really tall. tall. I'm 5'1", and I'd be like, oh. what the heck? Like, I'm- so, okay, so he was six feet, four inches tall, lanky and long, but he slouched to the right 
probably a byproduct of always rowing stroke side. But the bigger issue was his face. He had a lonesome look about him, like a child who had, a raise, who had to raise himself with large gray eyes and messy blondish hair and purplish lips, the latter of which were nearly always swollen because he tended to chew on them. Kind of gross. <laughs> that <laughs> is actually disgusting. Yeah. If, a, if I saw a guy chewing his lips, I'd be like, ick, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off. But he was kind of... He was the kind of face that some might call forgettable, a below average composition that gave no hint of the longing or intelligence that lay behind, save for one critical feature, his teeth, which were straight and white and which redeemed his entire facial landscape whenever he smiled. Fortunately, especially after falling in love with Elizabeth Zott, Calvin smiled all the time. So sweet. So he's not a looker, but his smile is lights up his whole face. And it's so sweet the way she describes of like when he falls in love love with Elizabeth. Yeah. He's transformed. Like Mm -hmm. he everyone can see a different side of him. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So Calvin, we find out, is from Iowa. So mm-hmm. his parents passed away when he was five. They were very tragically hit yeah. by a train. It was really awful. And then so he was raised by his aunt um, until she also passed away in a car crash when he was yeah. six. So he hit a tree. Oh, horrible. So for his whole life changed in the span of two years. So after his aunt passed away, then he ended up going to a Catholic boys home. And that's where he spent the majority of his childhood and adolescence, which is, I guess I was wondering, like, we understand that now most Catholic boys homes were pretty horrific and a Mm. lot of awful things happened there. I was curious, do you think that that would have been at all known at the time? Because I was curious why you wouldn't say some get sent some children are sent to an orphanage versus some go to like a Catholic boys home. Mm. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like, do you think that would be like at the time they would have any kind of idea? Like, did they think it was better Mm. than being put into? I'm not sure if they really cared, Mm. honestly, because like even like how they talk about it throughout the book, like we later meet somebody that is a priest, a good priest, but he even says that like, when he finds out that Calvin was in this place called all saints, all saints boys home. Yeah. Um, he was like, which is really sad because those homes are known for like pedophilia and stuff like mm. that. And so it was, it, I feel like it was a known thing, but these are also kids that were, they, they're saying there was like, if you were here, it was because your mom died in birth and your father couldn't cope with it. Wow. Like that was like the main thing. And so even if they were lying to you. And so that's like why. So I feel like these kids were kind of like, I hate to say it, like throwaway kids. Mm. I don't believe in that. But right. back then, like right. they were just trying to find a place for them to go. Got it. So I think. Either one was probably horrible, especially yeah. in that time frame. Yep. But I don't think they probably would have cared. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. That's so sad. Yeah. But so that's kind of gives you a little bit of idea of Calvin's uh, upbringing. And then Elizabeth, she was raised mostly in Oregon. Her parents were extremely religious. Her brother, also really tragic, committed yes. suicide when she was 10. Mm-hmm. And then her dad, she describes, is currently in prison. And so yeah. she said um, one of his, quote unquote, signs from God was that he ended up killing three people. So I hated this guy. I hated that. Because he was known as like a Christian man, right? But he was really more of like tricking people. I don't know if they ever said Christian. I know they said religious. It made okay. me think of like Waco, Texas vibes. Yes. That's what I got the idea of. Of someone like Waco, Texas was this, do you know, it's like this city where basically, yeah, the guy thought he was Jesus yep. incarnate and then had all, yeah, it was disgusting and had all these people trapped in this home and was doing all these so horrific things. Bad. I hate that. Yeah. 
wild. That's what this honestly, re- that's what he reminded me of, like yes. a religious fanatic, not necessarily like a. Well, the sad thing is that like he like, this is also like Elizabeth Zott also since she, she is a chemist, we'll just say that. And she's also an atheist, right. but it's also because of how I believe that she was brought up because her father claimed to love the Lord, but then she would literally watch him like trick people. And he would be like, oh, I need a sign from God. And then he would have something like remote ready to go to show that it was a sign. Oh, he had like peanuts or something like that. I don't even freaking know. Like, it was just like, just like it, it. I feel like it's a theme in this that like a lot of these people do not believe in God because of the way that people's. They misre- they misrepresented God right. horribly. Right. Well, and I think that's also, again, you see like a difference of what religion means yes. and what a faith-based life can mean. Exactly. And I do, th- I do think, though, he was also just crazy. I think yeah. it was like a religious fanatic and not yeah. necessarily like Because then he a- killed people. Yeah. So, yeah. So her dad's in prison and her mom remarried is in Brazil. So also, why did this is the thing they don't talk about her mom a lot? Just the fact that she left and went to Brazil, which I mean, like, yeah, get out of there. Your family seems kind of crazy, but why not take her with you? That's a great point. They never say that. No, that's a great point. I think it's because Elizabeth was like, I'm going to be a scientist and I want to do that here and I can't do that in Brazil. And she got into college. True. But how did Calvin and Elizabeth meet? So, okay. So since she is a chemist, right, she was working in this, um, I don't know, how would you say it? An organization. Basically, oh, yeah, a, a research institute, a research institute called Hastings mm-hmm. um, or Hastings. I think it's Hastings. Think Hastings, Hastings. Yeah. Um, and so basically Calvin Evans happens to be a very well-known scientist in this time. He has had a lot of breakthrough, has a lot of good papers out. Like he just had he was just very smart, very intelligent, one of the best scientists around. And so um, he was also working here. Also, we find out not because like it was the best place to be, but because of like what the rowing program. Yeah, he literally <laughs> picked it because he wanted to be, he heard that it was the best weather for yes. rowing. Yes. Which I'm so sorry. I, have you ever done rowing? I've done rowing on the machine. I've never done it in real life. It's, it's, it's death. I would not do. It. I don't even like the machine. Oh, I maybe <laughs> maybe it's more enjoyable if you're on the water. No, and he you're even with describes people. it as the worst thing you could ever do, but you just feel so strong afterwards that it's worth it. See, and I I get that idea that there's some things that you do where you just afterwards you feel so strong and empowered that you're like I'm gonna keep doing this regardless mm-hmm. of it if it hurts or not. Yeah. But this no. Yeah. Tragic. But yeah, that's why he ended up picking yeah. this place. Because he's also he's so he's very into rowing, which like we can get into more later. But that's also how he ended up getting into school was through a rowing scholarship. And so he went to school to become a scientist, got all his PhD, all that stuff. And so now he accepted this um horrible offer from ha- Hastings. And so now he's here. And now Elizabeth also happened to be a chemist there. And she was like down in the basement, basically, right? She's a woman. It's the 1950s. Women are supposed to be at home. And here's she is breaking odds and she's got a job in chemistry. And so basically she's down there working with a group of people that don't even like her because they don't like that they have to work with a woman, a woman. And on top of that, they don't like that she's smarter than them because they come to her for everything that they need. And so she recognizes that she cannot do her line of study with the type of equipment that they've given her. And so she's like, wow, I'm going to go up to Calvin Evans lab because he's got the best of the best because he is the best of the best. And so she goes in there and she's like, uh, like he apparently has a sign on the door that says like, keep out. Yeah. She just walks through. She's like, well, cause she'd been trying <laughs> to get the supplies for months. Yes. She's done all, she went through all the proper channels. She put a million requests and she's like, screw this. I'm yep. getting what I need. Mm-hmm. So she walks in there and he goes, did you not see the sign? And so he basically, she's like, uh, Mr. Evans, I, 
I need breakers, beakers. Beakers. She's like, <laughs> Breaker, breaker. She's like, I need a break. Okay. She's like, I need a break from this misogyny and from this world. Hey, no, no. She's like, I need some beakers. And he's like, well, you got some. And she's like, no, I need better ones. And he's like, well, you can't take mine. I'm using all of them. And then he's like, Dan, this is the thing with Miss Elizabeth Zott. Okay. Do not misplace her. Do not call her a housewife when she ain't one. Do not call her a secretary when she a chemist. Okay. That's what he did. He was like, uh, He's like, what is the secretary doing up here anyways? And with that, she took all the beakers and left. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, as she should. I would be so, I, that part made my blood boil. Obviously, that's the whole point of yes. this is to kind of illustrate what women have gone through and where they've started, where they've came from. But holy smokes, if someone literally was like, you're the CEO and they're like, hey, a secretary should not be in here. Assistant should not be in here. I'd be like, you can walk yourself out. Yep. And so she stole the beakers. Yep. It was able to continue on with her stuff. And then he comes and visits her, right? Yep. Yeah. So he comes and visits her um, at her lab. Yes. Oh, what does he, why, why does he come back? He comes back to apologize because he later realizes who she is because he couldn't get her out of his mind because he's like, well, who is the secretary coming in here just stealing my beakers? And then he finds out that she's the chemist. Yes. And she's a great chemist. A great chemist. She's an exceptional chemist. She's working on um, a project that's called a biogenesis, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really actually very interesting. So it's if you believe in like Darwin's theory, it's the study of where the cell, the very first original cell came from. Mm. So she is really focused on something that would be groundbreaking in medicine. Yeah. Um, especially, I don't actually know if there's a lot of research in that field now. I have no idea. I, don't, I didn't look it up at all. We are not chemists. We are not chemists. Okay. <laughs> um, and, but so she's working on this impressive uh, research and Calvin is also just drawn to her as a person because he's like, wow, this is this woman who is speaking to me and is kind and is paid attention to me. And so they start, I don't even, how did they start dating? How did they start? So basically he kept asking her to take her out for coffee. Yes. And she kept saying, no. She said, screw that. She's like, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going to be your secretary. And pour but he you was coffee. like, but then he was also like, I don't like you like that. At first they like, he was like, he's like, she's like, as long as you can say that it's, he wanted her to work with him. Because he was like, because he was, he thought that she was so smart. That's what he wanted. But she's like, no, because every man, because she's had bad experiences before. Yep. Which we'll, we'll give you a little, uh, we'll tell you about it in a minute. Yeah. So basically, but basically she's like, I will hang out with you and I will do research with you and whatever. As long as you know that I am not interested in you. I do not want you making a move on me. Like I am here for serious work. And then they fell in love. <laughs> and they fell in love. And so they kind of just start talking to spend all this time together. They realize that their minds are attracted to one another as well. So they just start realizing they have so much compatibility and, and similar interests. And so they start um, dating and then they eventually move in together. And then the deal was um, that he, because he was being paid appropriately and mm-hmm. because he was being compensated fairly, that he, he was, was paying. Yep. He was uh, going to be paying for all the rent and everything. And she was going to cook five nights a week as rent that was mm-hmm. kind of like their thing um and so they kind of talk about how she doesn't want to get married or have kids and um she was kind of talking about that when her parents filed for divorce it was real that her mom had been married three times prior three times and none of them knew about it none of them knew about it can you actually fathom if you found out that your mom had been married like three other times anybody that you're just like that you know super well and they you're like, like never oh, tell you yeah crazy 
I feel it like blows my mind. It blows my mind, but I actually was wondering too if that was something common uh, in like the mid nineties or yeah. the, sorry, the mid nineteen hundreds, where I'm like they just would get married and then split up and get divorced. Like even when we read the uh, what book was it with Junie? Where Junie B. Jones? No. Ah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. One of the books that we read where she her mom was getting married all the time. And they were getting remarried. We read that book? Yeah. Oh. Jude. <laughs> hey, Jude. I'm trying to The remember. Vanishing Half? No. Jude is from The Vanishing Half. No, June. June Costas. Man, you did not read that book with me. Okay. Well. Sadie reads, by the way. She reads like five books a month. And then she's like. <laughs> then I get confused. <laughs> well, so essentially her, when she found out her mom had married three times prior Elizabeth said, I'm not going to marry. I'm going to be a scientist. Successful women scientists don't marry. And her mom responded, no woman says no to marriage, Elizabeth. You won't either. And so that kind of also sets up a premise of Elizabeth in her mind of like, she is struggling so much with where she felt like women's role, quote unquote, was of like, she was having a... A discrepancy of like the giftings, the passions, the interests she had, and then what society was saying, no, this yeah. is where you're at. And then her own mom is like, no, you're not going to say no to marriage either. And so when she meets Calvin, she's kind of like, okay, yeah, I love this, but it's not really going to go anywhere because I'm not planning to get married. I'm not planning to have mm-hmm. kids. Like I want to start a career. Um, and so about this time too, Calvin, like he just opens her eyes to other interests as well. So Calvin starts teaching her rowing mm-hmm. and it's so Which is funny. crazy because a woman, a woman never does. Which is so crazy. Like he had her, he got her so good to the point where he brought her with the other men. Cause like you could row by two, you could row by eight. And he had her in there with all these other men and all the other men were like, at first we're like, what the crap is she doing here? Cause she's a woman. By the end of it, they're like. Okay. They're like, all right. Do you know what Pretty I loved good. about it is like he tried to teach her for so long and then she was like, I don't understand this. So she went and got all these books and mm-hmm. then she started reading, reading, reading. And she's like, oh, it's basic laws of like centric force or something yeah. like that. And then mm-hmm. she literally was like, the next day she gets out there and, and she's, she's able to do it. Pro. And also my favorite part of why they even started was because he was begging her. He's like, can we please? Like they're living together, right? He gets up at 4.30 every single morning, basically. And he just goes out there and he rows. And he's like, can you please just row with me? And she's like, no, like women don't do that. Which the second she said it, the book was like she regretted it because he goes, Elizabeth Zott, are you saying that women can't row? And for her, that was it. And next thing you know, she's like, there with her suit on and she's like let's freaking do this thing yeah she's like that you are not telling me mm-hmm. that i can't do something i think it's also crazy though because throughout this they're they're falling in love with each other and they're falling in love with the fact that they're both so smart and it just seems so organic and it's just true love um but then there's a night where i, I wanted to point this out where they're like laying in bed and they're kind of realizing that they never really talked about the important things and i don't think they ever really did he shared like little things about their lives but then when it got too deep they would just kind of shut off and so throughout this book you kind of see elizabeth kind of gaining some knowledge about his life that he never shared with her but yeah i was going to share with the fact like about him being in the um the actual house 
Yeah. This, I'll say it's house. Yeah. Okay. So, well, she was like laying in bed basically. So Calvin is like known for holding a grudge. Yep. And that's th- like all the scientists, everybody at Hastings Research Institute knows this guy holds a grudge. Yes. And because she was always wondering, because when she got with Calvin, number one, everybody in this place already hated Elizabeth, but now they hate her even more because they hated Calvin because he knew the power that he had and he used it to his advantage, but he also hold a, held a grudge. So when they found out that she stole these beakers from him, like they were so mad about it, but then even more mad when they got together because they're like, wow, look at this couple. They seem so un- unstoppable and all this stuff but so she finds herself laying in bed and she's like everyone always talks about you having a grudge but I've never seen it and he kind of lies to her and he's like well I don't hold a grudge Mm -hmm. and he starts thinking about he says it says that Calvin flashes back to the only man he promised to hate until he died which was his birth father right and so it kind of flashes back to him growing up in the All Saints Boys home um, when Calvin would kind of get in trouble for lots of things, right? He would, he was always just wanting better things. He was smart off to begin with. He was right. a smart boy. Um, and then the bishop there, who was just mean. He was just, that's why I'm like, he was so greedy. And so I'm like, when you think about these people in positions of authority in like any kind of religious environment, you would think that they would be more, I don't know, characterized by what you would like th- that you expect them to be mm. like values of like love and honesty and loyalty and all these things. No, so often no, unfortunately. Yeah. He was actually, he was actually really rude. And for some reason he just did not like Calvin. Like he didn't like the questions that, cause Calvin was always wanting better. He's like, where's the better books? Like, why can't we learn about science? Why can't we do these things? And then one day the Bishop tells him that Calvin comes to the office and for like the last time, I think the Bishop just shares information that he wasn't supposed to. And he tells him about how he was adopted and his birth mother died during birth which calvin refused to believe until the the bishop showed him an adoption certificate along with a death certificate of his mother so he grown up thinking that like the people that had died in the car accident was his biological parents and right then we find out that he was actually adopted um and that the reason why he was there was because his mom died at birth right and the father couldn't cope and he was rightfully so i'd be like you're a liar yeah i'd be like no that's not what happened i was literally in the car yeah and so And so, but then he pulls out this proof of the death certificate of his mother, which will later, I'm like, where did this freaking thing come from? You will learn. So basically, yeah. And so he hates his father because the bishop tells him that a man came in kind of looking for him and then apparently looked at the photo and decided that he didn't want him anymore because he was going to come back to claim him. But to show Calvin love, he decided to donate tons of money to the school, which provided them with the science books, provided him to learn rowing, kind of provided him with all these things that he's grown up loving. And so every time that they would get new books, Calvin would cling to these books as if they were love from his father, hoping that this rich man would come back. And he never did. And you'll find out later why, but he never did. And so this was the one man that Calvin always like said, like, I'm going to hate for the rest of my life. Because honestly, if you found out, A, that your dad is still alive and that you're at this horrible home. And then B, not only is he alive, that he came to the home looking for you, quote unquote, like the bishop said, he looked for them, saw a picture of him and was like, never mind. Mm -hmm. I, of course you'd hold a grudge forever. Yeah. You would hate that person. And I don't say that lightly. Like that would be horrific to find that out. So yeah, you just learn so much about Calvin's life and his backstory and why he is the way he is. And so Elizabeth starts to learn to love him because she's like, wow, this guy has so many sides to him and he's just, she just falls in love with him. And so she's learning every part of his story. 
And so eventually they're not married. They're not engaged, but they were like, okay, let's get a dog. I feel Mm. like that's like the next, you know, step for Mm -hmm. some people. They're like, let's get a dog. Wait, you want to know why? Wait, but share about at lunch with the box. Oh, that happened before. You tell. Okay. So the reason why they got a dog, though, is because even though Elizabeth always said, I do not want to get married. Calvin could not help himself. Yes. You want to finish uh, yep. it? Keep, no, keep going. Calvin keep going. could not help himself. And he went out and he bought a ring. Right? And so, and when he, y'all, so he proposes to Elizabeth. But, but note, men, if there are men listening to this podcast, it, just figure that out before. Yes. Don't, don't try. It will just set you up for failure. If yes. you know that your fiance or the girl that you love is like, I don't want to get married. Mm-hmm. And you go buy a ring. You want to be the, the shining knight to change mm-hmm. her mind. Just figure that out before. Yes. Figure it out before you buy the ring. If she keep changes going. her mind, great. Great. But Miss Elizabeth Zott did not. She so did basically, not. they're sitting at lunch, right? Everybody's always watching them because they hate them so much. And then he, they see him pull out this ring. And she's talking about, he's like, he's like, so I got this. And the, this is the weirdest, basically the weirdest way you could ever propose. But maybe back then, this is just how simple they did it, right? He just pulls it out and sets it in front of her. And her heart stops, but not for the good way. Because she's like, what the crap <laughs> is that? And she doesn't look at it, though. She just sees the box. And he's trying to show her the ring, but she won't look at it. Because she knows that if she looks at it, she'll have a hard time saying no. And she's like, we talked about this. And so everyone around them is basically like, oh, my gosh. Like, they're here it is. They're breaking up. This is going to be so good for me to watch. And then... I mean, they still they still stay together because he was together. just like I, by I, by the end of it, he was like getting mad. He's like, "Why not marry me? We love each other and all this stuff." And then by the end of that, he's like, "Let's just get a dog." Yep, you're right. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. So the dog is essentially their wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the dog is their ring, and it's very cute because they name him six thirty, and that's because that's the exact time that they got him. So mm-hmm. that was like the time that they became a family. So they call this dog six thirty, which is very sweet. Um, but what's really horrible and sad is what happens after they get a dog. And so Mara, what happens when they get a dog? What happens with Calvin when he takes that dog on a walk? Yeah. So basically number one, 630, he is very smart. He's very smart. Partially to Elizabeth. He's like, by the end of this book, he literally knows like 981 words. And which I thought was so interesting because Elizabeth kind of she's just such a logical person that she's like no dogs can learn words animals can learn certain words and responses so she does keep a like a list of all the words that he knows i was thinking like how interesting would that be to try that yeah like to try that with well because you see people with those buttons the dogs and the buttons and it tells Not them what the they, buttons, yeah. but it's because they're smart they're definitely yes. intelligent creatures well and that's why well, i'm thinking you can train pets to respond to certain Words. Yeah. And I don't know if it's even the intonation you say the words with or what, but yeah, they can respond. So yeah, this dog's a genius. So he he's so smart. And I love how they write about 630 because 630 actually like he tries to protect them very often and they kind of write about him and he has his own thoughts throughout the book, which I thought was really interesting that she did that because like usually the dog's just like the doy, the little thing in the corner, right? But this dog had thoughts. And so basically he would run with Calvin all the time. And back then men did not run outside. No, which I honestly was like, what the heck? I didn't know that. Why don't you run outside? That feels like such a primal, natural, like human instinct. 
And so everyone hated it that because apparently it was like against the law. You can't be running outside. But Calvin would run past the police station every morning. They just let him do it, probably because he was so well known and famous. But they were always saying, I don't know why he would just, wouldn't just stay inside and run in his ballet slippers like everybody else. When I said ballet slippers, I was like, y'all were running in ballet slippers. I was like, how house? is men running inside in ballet slippers better than them running outside normally? <laughs> yeah, I was very confused by that. Yeah. But basically, they end up passing a law. That says your dogs have to be on a leash because before he would always run and the dog wouldn't be on a leash. 630 would just be following him behind. And so but Elizabeth, who wants to keep, you know, 630 safe, decides to buy a leash. And at first he's like, no, I'm not going to use the leash on him like he's fine. Um, But one day he decides to do it anyways. And on he was actually on his way to run to work because Elizabeth got up early that morning. She had to go in. She wanted to do some extra work. He wakes up an hour later and he's like, you know what? It's like 530 in the morning. And he's like, I'm going to go and we're going to run to work. And so he's about to leave. And then he sees a leash on and he's like leash on the wall. And he's like, you know what? Let me put this leash on him. He said she bought it. I'm using it. Let's go. And so and, and let's go. And so but the. Just to backtrack a little bit, do you remember what 630 used to do? Oh, wasn't he like, uh, he was a scent finder? Like he would find certain scents of like drugs? He would find bombs. Oh, bombs. Okay. His job was to find, sniff out the bomb and then jump on it. Right. Which he didn't like. He didn't like that at all. No, he wasn't very good at it. But he did learn those traits. But because of that, and they had no idea this was his backstory because he kind of found them. They didn't like buy him somewhere. But he was very scared of loud sounds. And so they were out. They were running. He was on a leash. um, And there seemed to be like oil all over the ground for some reason. Yeah, they were running by like a fire station or a police station. It was a police station that was losing money and so they didn't have the money to keep up with their cars. And so oil was, which was such a weird way to intertwine. Yeah, just be like, we smelled oil. (laughs) Yeah, so there was oil on the ground, but then out of nowhere, there was like a loud crack of an engine, I believe what it was. But to, this is so sad, but to 6.30, he thought it was like a firework or a bomb going off. And so it triggered him. And so he started to run one way. Oh, my gosh. And then. So sad. Oh, my gosh. He started to run one way. And then he didn't want to. Calvin didn't want to lose him. And he was pulling the other way. And it was kind of like dark outside. And he slips on some oil. And I hated. I could actually have an expert of like what it says here. This really this really kills me. So it says he looked at his watch 515 a.m. Elizabeth was sitting on a stool. Her. Oh, wait, let me back up. Um, no, okay. So he looks at his watch, 5, 5, 5.18 a.m. Elizabeth was sitting on a stool, her stuff on full spin. She was in the chemistry office. He whistled for 6.30 to come meet him at the front door. It was a little over five miles to work, and running together, they had they could be there in 42 minutes. But as he opened the door, 6.30 hesitated. It was dark and drizzly. Come on, boy, Calvin said. What's wrong? Then he remembered. He turned back, grabbed the leash, bent down, and clipped it to 6.30's collar. Securely connected to the dog for the very first time, Calvin turned and locked the door behind him. He was dead 37 minutes later. Ugh. The way she writes, though, is so good. Like, that that kind of, the way she said that was so good. I didn't know at first if this was going to be the dog that was dead. Yeah. Oh, or if it was going to be Calvin that was dead. Yeah. So really sad. So Calvin dies because basically he slips, smacks his head and a cop car rolls all over him. Horrible. Like it's literally it's horrific. And so obviously this kind of catapults the story into the next phase, because what happens is they go to the funeral. They have this like really just 
it's very short. It's very brief. Elizabeth doesn't even stay because she just can't cope with it. She's she's never met another person that's connected and seen her the way that Calvin did. And so she's just distraught. So she goes back to work like ASAP. She goes wow. right back to work. She starts getting to work. And she finds a box of all of Calvin's things and she finds the ring box and all this stuff. And there's a woman there called Miss Frask. And she does not like Elizabeth Zott. And Mm -hmm. so she walks in when Elizabeth is looking at all the things and she's like, no, you can't have any of this. And so they kind of have a little bit of an altercation, but then she gets sick. Elizabeth starts getting sick Mm -hmm. and she just thinks it's because she's overwhelmed with the thought of like Calvin and looking at all of his old things. No. It's because she's pregnant. She's pregnant. She is pregnant. And so this kind of is where a huge trajectory in the story shifts because you start to see Elizabeth, quote unquote, falling into those like stereotypical housewife scenarios. Mm. And so she's now pregnant. She has this dog. She's starting to have this family and she's just grieving Mm -hmm. Calvin, obviously. And so... She tries to keep working and she wants to she wants to keep focusing on her project of a biogenesis. And so her project was funded by this like quote it says this fat cat investor who had dropped from the heavens and insisted on funding of all things a biogenesis. And so there's her kind of direct report is Dr. Donati and he's also always hated Elizabeth because mm-hmm. again like we said she's a woman, she's a, a chemist, she's a powerful chemist, like she he just thinks she's more of a headache. Um, then she is a help. And so Dr. Naughty fires her for mm-hmm. being pregnant, which... He also hated Calvin, though, too. Oh, yeah. He didn't like either of them. But he finally has a reason. He's like, you're unwed. You are pregnant. Like, you cannot be here. So he fires her. So then Elizabeth is, like, fuming, obviously, because that's unjust and unfair. But again, this was before second wave of feminism, before a lot of laws were put in place to avoid this. So scientists start coming to her house. They're consulting. She's consulting with all of them privately in her house. She transforms her kitchen into this laboratory um, over a couple months. And so she's like, I'm going to consult from home. Screw this. I don't mm-hmm. need to work there. Like, And she has her baby. So like a huge just shift of um, what her life looks like. Mm-hmm. So she's working at home. Now she has her baby. But it's not enough money to provide for her daughter. Yeah. So she tries to get her job back at Hastings Institute. She's mm-hmm. like, I need to humble myself and I'm going to try. And so she goes and they give her her job back, but they give her it as a lab tech, which yes. is not. Which actually happened four years after she had the baby. Four years? Yeah. Is when she decides to go back. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, because in the between of that, the it's so funny that the people who actually worked at Hastings that claimed to hate Miss Dot through those four years was coming to the house, paying her cash to correct their equations and make sure that they're doing the right thing or if they're on the wrong lead. And so that's how she was making money. And then she also found out that Calvin left her his deed. And that's kind of what was keeping them afloat. Cause she said, if he hadn't done that, they would have been on welfare. Right. So, but she starts realizing, okay, this money is not going to last forever. My daughter, Madeline's got to go to school. So she goes back, she doesn't get her full job and she's just like trying to be good about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was interesting too, because she has a moment with Miss Frask where um, she is, she just has a moment of like frustration, right? Of being like, what am I doing? Have I made a mistake coming back to work here? If I'm not really going to get hired for what I'm good at and what I can be um, gifted in and all this stuff. Like I know this is my job. And and so she has this moment where her and Miss Frask actually share a moment of vulnerability because they both realize 
they weren't able to pursue their professional careers because of male misconduct. Mm. So Ms. Frass says, what about you? Why aren't you a PhD, Zot? Because if if Elizabeth was a PhD, if she had finished her degree, because that was the whole thing is that she actually doesn't have her PhD. Yeah. And you learn because Elizabeth hardens and without meaning to revealed a fact about herself that she'd never told anyone other than a police officer. She says, because I was sexually violated by my thesis advisor and then kicked out of the doctoral program. She shouted, you? Miss Frask looked back, shocked. Same, she said limply. So they both find out that they are not in the careers that they want to be in because of these horrific things men have done to them. Yeah. So Elizabeth went to UCLA and she was studying this incredible research. She had this thesis advisor and he sexually violated her. Yeah. And so then he, when she was trying to get help and she was trying to get him um, arrested. Yeah. No one believed her because she was a woman. And so then her thesis advisor, right, obviously called her crazy and that she was a student. So she didn't get her PhD. She didn't get to finish. And, and I hate this, though, <sighs> because, you know, what's crazy about like back then, these men literally like so many of them this did this. But when she was talking to the officer, the officer didn't ask her like what happened. He said, do you have any remorse for what you've done? Because she stabbed him with a pencil. That's how she kind of protected herself to make him get off of her basically. But um, he didn't, it, to me, that was a sign that like, it wasn't that he didn't believe her. It was that he didn't care Yeah. because you see this time and time in this, like men just view women as property and that they could do whatever they want, but they also know it's wrong because before they do it, they literally say it's time that I teach you a lesson, which to me, how can you get up? Knowing that the other person is not enjoying it. To me, that is just so nasty. Yeah. Like, I don't even understand it. It's Well, and that's the whole point is it's twisted, right? That's not how it's meant to be. That's not how any of that is meant to be. So it's just, it's like twisted and sinful and disgusting. Yeah. So um, she basically then starts to miss Frask and her kind of have a friendship. And so Frask ends up giving elizabeth all of calvin's old work so yeah. she gave him all the boxes all the old work so elizabeth works at hastings for about two months or so until the latest edition of the science journal dropped and donati's paper was in it this work except it was her work yep he stole it so that basically she's like screw this and quits so yeah. she's like i am not doing this i cannot work here i'm quitting like i can't do this you took my work you took my research forget it so then that's when she takes a job with Walter Pine to create a cooking science show called Supper at Six. Yes. So what happens is basically how she even meets, um, what's his name again? Walter Pine. Walter Pine, yes. So Walter Pine is working for a bigger producer, which his last name I forget, Lebanon, something like yeah. that. Anyways, he's not important. He's not really in there very much. But he's working for this producer where he has tons of shows that go off in the afternoon. In the afternoon time, you're supposed to fill it with things that are kind of meaningless because people don't really like watch it. It's really to just how he says to give their mind a rest for the day. So you got like the clown shows, the little kids shows and stuff like that. And so what happens is Elizabeth, even though she never wanted to be a mother, she ends up being a really great mother to her daughter, Madeline, which we find out is actually legally mad, M-A-D, because when she was giving birth, the woman comes in and she thought she asked, how are you feeling? And Elizabeth says mad because she was mad 
at the world, basically. And the woman's like, are you sure? And she's like, yes, mad. And she later finds out that the woman was actually asking her what she named her daughter. Yeah, what's your baby's name? <laughs> yeah, and so legally on her birth certificate, her name is Mad is it Evans or Zot? It's Mad Zot. I think it's Mad Zot, which honestly is slay of a name. Yes. Mad Zot. So good. Amazing. But then her mom was like, I'm going to call her Madeline. But her legal, but they call her Mad quite a bit. So yeah. her, she knows her legal name is Mad. Yeah. So basically, so how we talked about how she loves, she doesn't love to cook. She doesn't think it's fun, but she likes to do it because she thinks it's chemistry, which it is chemistry. Right. Right. You're measuring things. You're making, you're making sure it's good for your body. All of these things basically got equations to it. Guys, just math and everything basically. Yeah. And so she does works really hard to make sure that Madeline has a really good nutritious lunch for school. And she comes to find out that um, somebody else has been eating her lunch. This other girl at school has been taking her daughter's snacks, taking, taking her daughter's her food. Snacks. And so she thought so she finds the girl. Her name is Amanda. And she finds out where her father works, which is at this TV studio. And so she just marches right on in there. And she's like, listen, your daughter is eating my daughter's lunch. Which honestly is so <laughs> hilarious to think about. But honestly, yeah, if you're putting all this effort into mm-hmm. making your daughter some great food, mm-hmm. I'd be pissed if I found that was going to some other Seriously, kid. Seriously, she was literally like, she's like, I, she's like, listen, I ain't got a lot of money. And so I work really hard with what I got for her. And your daughter is trying to like... Basically, take advantage of her, which is not what she was doing. We find out, but her mom was like, She's taking advantage of my daughter, she's taking her food. And he was just not even paying attention because he was like so tired. But then also, he could not take his eyes off of her. He thought she was so beautiful, thought like basically he was in this predicament where he needs to fill fill this time slot in their TV program, otherwise, he's gonna be fired. And she's coming in all hot about like, I make this nutritious, like nutrient dense food. I make food that is meaningful to like mm-hmm. my daughter and your daughter's taking it. And that's why she's literally like, he's like, oh, wait, you make food that's meaningful, meaningful food, cooking. that. Yeah. So then he kind of puts all these dots together. He's like, what if you ran a cooking show? Yeah. A chemistry cooking show. She yeah. thinks it's crazy. But then she's also <laughs> like, you know what? I need the money. So True. I'll do it. And she says, cooking is chemistry and chemistry is life. Your ability to change everything, including yourself, starts here. Yeah. So she starts this cooking show and it does really well. But it's so funny because she's always at odds with Walter Pine because he's a he's the middleman, right? She's so science-y. That, and she's just explaining how, she, how her personality is. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to be any type of way. But Walter Pine is like... You have got to chill because my boss is telling me you got to look cute. You got to make a little margarita at the end of the show. Yeah. Like you got to make this interesting. And she's like, no, I'm going to talk about it how I would. Yeah. And this is the whole point you had me there. And so he's constantly begging Elizabeth to be less technical, but the viewers love it. And there was even like the stagehand that said, I like how she uses these sciencey words. It makes me feel, I don't know, capable. Mm. And so she's just like validating women's experiences at home, but also they're like, passions for opportunity like she she makes them when they're turning on the show at home they feel like okay what i do does matter and what i'm doing here is important and it just starts making them feel so i guess empowered and just i don't know seen because especially in that culture Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like oh you're just home with the kids and it's Mm -hmm. like i talk about this with my husband a lot of like it is a literal job because if you didn't do it someone has to do it exactly if you weren't doing it you have to pay someone to do it amen it is a job. My only one thinks that mothers should be paid. Oh, my mom, I love her. She always is like, women, like, moms should have an allowance. They should have a little stipend of like, 
from the government. Why is it that if, because now that mm, the women, I'm speaking of these women, thank you for allowing me to work, but I didn't ask for it. But thank you. We thank you for about going that, through all these rights. Thank you for the marches, but we are upset because we, we are, did not choose I didn't ask for this much. Okay. So basically, yeah, I just, I just lost my thought because I got so mad about that. But Sorry. I, but yeah, it's just oh yeah. So it's like, but if we're we're expected to work because the government wants it to be basically a two income family home, I know you can get around it, whatever. But if I gotta pay somebody else to take care of my kids, why? And so you're in a way you're saying it is a job, and someone deserves to be paid for it. Why not just pay the woman to watch her own kids, and then she don't gotta go to work because yeah. that is work. It, yeah, it's very interesting. And so she is just, Elizabeth has done such a good job about like validating all these women of just kind of being like, no, what you're doing is important. What you're doing matters. Like you have so much autonomy in your own home. And so there was even this example of a woman on her show and she's like, I want to be an open heart surgeon. And she's like, but I don't even know where someone like me would start. And Elizabeth's response, the public library, followed by the MCATs and residency. Amen. So she just like believes women to help them realize like, no, you can do this. And mm-hmm. so she kind of helps women see themselves and legitimize their interests. And so um, there is the also the, there's just like a constant struggle of like what she's doing and viewers are loving it, but then also always struggling with her uh, bosses because they're like, you gotta stop. Like we have a vision for what this show is going to be. And mm-hmm. so while all this is happening, Elizabeth's daughter, Mad, is trying to figure out who her dad was yeah, and what her family situation actually is. Yeah. So basically it's through Madeline, Madeline that we find out everything, basically all these lies, which is unfortunate because Calvin, even though we didn't get to learn too much about him, he died not knowing what really happened in his life. And so we find out she gets this assignment to kind of do a family tree, but she doesn't know much about her family. And so she finds someone to help her kind of deep dive into what's going on. And so this man reaches out to the All Saints home and they're asking about Calvin. They're calling over and over again. The bishop's lying. And he's like, don't know that person. And we later find out the reason why he's lying is because he has been lying this whole entire time. So basically, at the very beginning of the story, when we said that this man came in, that was his father. It actually wasn't his father. It was a man that was working for the park um, institution, basically. What they did was they fundraised things, right? Yeah, they kind of supported and backed financially all these different endeavors. Yes. And so basically what happened was the woman that is in charge of this, should I say this now? Right. Okay. The woman that is in charge of this actually happens to be his birth mother. They hear about the fact that they're, that his adopted parents had died and that he was in this home and she was going back there because she wanted to take him. So the guy that came there worked for her and he's like, I am looking for someone named Calvin Elvins. Evan, sorry, he's tall, he's blonde, and my hope is to take him back to the rightful owners. And for some odd reason, just because this bishop knew that this guy had a lot of money, decides to say that Calvin Evans is dead. So he's a greedy freaking troll. Yeah. So he tells him, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Calvin Evans died of tuberculosis or something like that. But he's like, but you can support this. Uh, we could set up a fund for him. Yeah. He had like a little bin in front. And he's like, this is for his memorial fund. And they had a picture. He just happened to have a picture nearby. And he's like, I think this picture is great. And the guy was like, too shocked to even ask for proof, basically. And meanwhile, Calvin's actually out there basically with all the boys. And so that's why 
he's getting that's why the science books start coming through that's because the rowing and we later find out that the reason why rowing entered was because his birth father loved rowing and so that's why they it was kind of like a a memory thing for his father because his birth father actually died before he was ever even born and so it was just stuff that his birth mom was putting in place trying to grieve that loss because we also later find out that how they said that the right if you're here your mother died in labor and your father couldn't cope but what actually happened was that she was so young she was 17 fell in love with this boy her parents did not want her keeping this baby so by the time she came to because labor is hard by the time she came to right the baby was gone and they said that the baby had died in stillbirth really so so sick and they stole her baby. And later, someone that worked there revealed to her that her baby was actually put up for adoption like many of the others. So this was something that was happening all the time to women who were young and were having babies. Insane. And so it's just so sad that we later find out that Calvin had to die. Number one, hating a father that didn't need to be hated. Number two, thinking that like his mother had died when she didn't. And that's why, taking us back, he said that he had a death certificate that he showed calvin to prove that she had died during birth what the heck did he get that from yeah no idea copy and paste from somebody else literally just scam con artist yeah so yeah so basically you find out that okay all of this is a lie so mad is finding out all of these things about her family she's trying to put the pieces together because her mom is also trying to protect her and you know um not be not put too much on this child before she needs to but this whole time elizabeth's just struggling with like okay i'm doing this amazing work at this cooking show but like ultimately i want to be a chemist right i want to be a chemist and so she decides she's like i want to get back at my work i want to go back to work and so she gets interviewed by this really famous interviewer and reporter for life magazine Mm -hmm. and so the this person's famous for just like getting all of his subjects to like open up and tell them everything that's going on and so elizabeth actually ends up telling him everything telling him the whole story telling him what happened to her at ucla what happened to her at hayseens why her research was stolen that that article was actually all of her work she just kind of unloads everything and so roth is like who's the interviewer is like i'm going to do her justice and i'm going to write this story yes well the story that actually comes out was totally misused it literally because they're they wanted a juicy piece the article or the uh magazine wanted a juicy piece and so they just interviewed basically every single person that hates elizabeth Mm -hmm. and and put lies used all that and so what happens though is so that article kind of destroys her Mm -hmm. mentally emotionally everything she's like i can't do this like I'm a fake. No one really thinks I'm an actual chemist. No one's going to believe me. Forget it. And so what happens, though, is she is is contacted and finds out of who the Park Institute is. So she gets invited to have this job back from Mm -hmm. Miss Frask. And she's like, why? This is a joke. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? Like, no one wants to talk to me. No one wants to see me. And Miss Frask, like, like last I heard, she wasn't even working there. Mm-hmm. And so Miss Frass, like, nope, just come on in and I'll explain everything when we get there. Yep. So they go and come to find out mm-hmm. that when her article was posted, the Parker Institute 
realized they started putting together all these pieces because mad had also written a letter to the parker institute yeah. because they had put the dots together obviously with like the guy who was helping her find her father mm-hmm. but they put all these dots together so she'd written a letter being like no my dad isn't this person and my dad actually was raised at this boy's home so the parker institute goes in to hastings research institute yeah. and is like you guys literally have been lying about everything. Yep. And we were paying for a biogenesis project, which we thought was being run by Elizabeth Zott. But then we find out that you took all of her work. So they basically just floor everything. They fire everyone. Yep. And they want to hire Elizabeth back. Yep. And she's the head of it now. She's ahead of it now. And so also, this is the moment that Elizabeth finds out about Miss yes. Parker. Yes, because she remembers the name of that institute. And she was just like, um... She just like, she was like, what is your guys' connection to the All Saints Boys Home? And for some reason at this point, Miss Parker, she did not know that Elizabeth Zott knew that information, but she only knows it because she went through so much of Calvin's stuff after he passed in his journals and she learned all these things about him. And so in that moment, she's like, she's like, listen, what is your connection to, you know, him? And she goes, I'm his mother and I want to see my granddaughter. Like, that's what it was. And so it's just it's just so crazy. And so the book just kind of wraps up with just I feel like just a really good high where she is finally getting the respect that she deserves. Calvin is finally being honored in the way that he should have been. And even though he did not get to see his life like come like that, it's like I'm just so glad that so many things were made right, even though he didn't get to see it. Yeah. And it was so interesting, too, because the reason that Avery Parker from the Parker Foundation even realized that they're trying to find Calvin was because when Calvin got in, he got published in this big article, they were like, maybe he isn't dead, but they just didn't know that there was even a, uh, Elizabeth Zott or a daughter mm-hmm. at all because they weren't ever married. So yeah. they didn't even, she didn't even realize, Oh my gosh, I might have a granddaughter. Mm-hmm. She just thought she was too late. And so it's a really interesting book. It's so well written. There's so much more that we would love for you so guys. Much to, more. So I mean, I'm going to say I would recommend this book. Yes. 100%. Five out of five. That's, I honestly would give it a five out of five. Me too. I think this is the first time I've given a five out of five on this podcast. And this is episode I think, 11. I think too. I think so. Because I think I love the writing. I love the storyline. I love the setting. It was like feminist without being too much. Yes. It wasn't like degrading to men. It wasn't like, but it was just showcasing the illustration or illustrating what's life was like and what a lot of women went through Mm -hmm. but it was also such a she's such a good character to root for yeah and yeah i loved it i thought it was such a good story and my favorite part about this whole entire time is that we've never this whole entire time mad has been four years old crazy she was doing all this at four years old because her mom's so smart she taught her how to read before five she got her into preschool before she was before she was five, she's writing, walking to the library on her own, like doing all these things at four that I would never let my kids do. <laughs> she yeah. just believes that people don't have to put limitations on themselves. And exactly. she was like, well, okay, well, you're a preschooler, but why does that mean you can't do this, this, and this? Yeah. You might be ready for this, this whatever mm-hmm. it is. But yeah, I thought it was such a good story. We would highly recommend it for you. And yes. I definitely think you and I should watch the show when it comes out. Yes, guys, if you got get ready for that, check out our Instagram. Brie Larson is the woman who played uh, Captain Marvel. Yep. She is going to be amazing in this role. Killing it. I, I can't, can't wait. wait. So <laughs> this book was so good, you guys. We highly recommend go read it. And we hope you enjoyed. If you have any other suggestions or things you want us to read... 
What should they do, Mar? Send it to our Instagram. Put it in the comments down below. We read your guys' DMs. We're actually taking up a, a few of your suggestions. We're going to start. We have a couple books that we're going to be reading from listeners. Yes. You guys suggested it, so we're going to read them. So, but that's where you find us. Perfect. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.